Today's Ag Spotlight episode is sponsored by Energrow. Energrow's oilseed pressing system helps farmers crush their feed costs. The easy way to make fresh, homegrown, high-quality meal, plus expeller-pressed oil right on the farm. The fully automated Turnkey Crush Pro is easy to set up and run 24-7. To learn more, go to energrow.ca. And welcome to North American Egg Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak, and today's interview is with an incredible woman doing great things for our industry. She leads the development and implementation of communication strategy for Animal Agriculture Alliance as Vice President Strategic Engagement. I would like to welcome Maryland resident Hannah Thompson Weeman. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. This is a definitely a topic that I can get worked up about. So um, I'll try to keep quiet and let you talk. <laughs> uh, so first of all, can you tell us about Animal Agriculture Alliance? The Animal Ag Alliance is a nonprofit, and our mission is to bridge the communication gap between farm and fork. So everything we do is about communicating accurate, science-based information about animal agriculture. A lot of times that means large-scale modern animal agriculture to key audiences. There are a lot of myths, a lot of misinformation out there about how we raise animals for food, things like animal welfare, antibiotic use, sustainability. So the Alliance is here to speak with the United Voice on behalf of everyone in animal agriculture on those issues and make sure that consumers and influencers have access to accurate, balanced information as they make food purchasing decisions. Yeah, that's that's incredible and definitely something that's needed these days. So where do you think that the communication breakdown is between farm and fork? Where does that start? How is that happening? A lot of what we see is kind of the population falls along a spectrum. You have the slim percentage of the folks over here that I'm sure everyone has heard time and time again, what a small portion of the population is actively engaged in agriculture, whether you are a farmer or rancher yourself, or you have an education background in the industry or work in the industry. There's a small segment that actually has that firsthand exposure and knowledge. So we know what goes on firsthand. Uh, we understand modern animal agriculture, and we really aren't susceptible to those kind of myths and misinformation. On the other side of the spectrum, it's also a very small percentage of the population, despite what you may be hearing about everyone's going vegan and ditching animal protein. The reality is it's about 5% of people in the U.S. that self-report as vegetarian or vegan, and that number has been stable for decades. Uh, and that's wow. by, you know, activist groups own research as well. And and also an important caveat, we certainly are not saying that everybody who follows a vegetarian or vegan diet is doing so for, you know, activism reasons or spreading those myths and misinformation. Uh, it's a personal choice and we celebrate all food choices. We just want to make sure they're made with facts and science and values and not based off of fear or things that aren't true. So we have that small but very loud percentage of the population when it comes to animal agriculture who are just opposed to what we do. They don't believe there's any way to responsibly raise animals for food. They don't think we should be using animals for any reason. And no matter what practices we use, what our standards are, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how well we're doing it. If we are using those animals for any purpose, they don't believe there's any responsible or ethical way to do that. And that's where we at the Alliance do a lot of monitoring of animal rights activist organizations. 
Uh, so the vast majority of people out there fall somewhere between those two extremes. They aren't from an animal agriculture background, don't have a personal knowledge of farms, probably never visited a large scale modern operation. They don't really have that animal rights sensitivity either. They don't necessarily believe it's not okay to eat animals, but they are susceptible to believing those myths and misinformation sent out by a lot of those organizations who are trying to convince people they shouldn't trust our industry and shouldn't consume our products. So from our perspective, that's where a lot of these issues stem from is the people that are in that movable middle are being targeted by groups who know that they don't necessarily have a lot of background knowledge and they're taking advantage of that. So we see a lot of specific industry practices, even though they are scientifically sound, veterinary supported, be attacked by groups taking advantage of that communication gap. So from our perspective, we see a lot of the issue is people just not having an awareness a connection. And, you know, we aren't really calling people out for that. There's a lot of industries I don't know a lot about. Uh, but then there are some negative actors in this space who are taking advantage of that. And the fact that food and animal welfare can be very emotional issues, they're playing off those emotions to try to achieve their objectives. Right. That's it. And so what can people within the industry, those of us that that know what's going on, and we can see the lies, and I know we, we often get angry about them, but is there anything we can do? The first piece of advice that we have when it comes to, you know, before you start communicating, before you start thinking about farm security or any of those other aspects, is we need to make sure that we are being beyond reproach. We as an industry need to make sure that concepts like animal welfare, being responsible stewards of the environment, those need to be really central in all of our businesses. And often, you know, we know that's the case. We take that for granted. So then we need to take the extra step and make sure we're demonstrating that. So having animal welfare policies, having audits in place, following procedures, putting all of that information out there on our public websites, and just making sure we're demonstrating our commitment to doing the right thing, no matter who's watching. So even more importantly than any of the communications and engagement is, again, making sure we are taking those steps to continuously improve, follow industry guidelines, and all of those ways to ensure that we're practicing what we preach and we are ensuring that we're doing the best possible uh, for animal welfare and the environment and being good neighbors in our communities. It is also essential to communicate about those things. You know, no one is going to tell our story. I know that's a bit of a cliche now, uh, but no one is going to be sharing information out there unless we are doing it. And if we leave those communication spaces empty, there's going to be a version of animal agriculture out there that we really don't agree with and doesn't align with reality. So we need to be proactively engaging. That could be on a very local level. So in your community, uh, offering farm tours, connecting with local local teachers, social media outreach, uh, or on other levels, working with the media, legislative efforts, uh, working with your customers throughout the restaurant and retail chain. So we really believe in the importance of being proactive, kind of inoculating people against misinformation. We need to get there first and show them our practices, show them what we do. So the first version of animal agriculture they see isn't something negative. And again, something that we wouldn't think reflects what actually goes on on our operations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good advice. And then what do you think about, um, well, as we all know, animal rights activists have been causing disturbances all across North America for the last few years now. What advice do you give to farmers? Like, how are they supposed to address that? 
the last year has been incredibly hectic in terms of activism. And, you know, some people have asked us, well, hey, it's a pandemic that stay at home orders. Has that stopped this? And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, the answer is no, it's only contributed to more. We've seen uh, so many protests, disruptions, all those types of things, whether it's at plants, farms, organizations, anyone affiliated with animal agriculture is dealing with those types of issues. So we strongly emphasize preparing for those types of incidents. whether it's a protest, people coming to your farm, have a policy in place, suspicious visitors. We hear Mm -hmm. examples all the time of people misrepresenting who they are to trying to get access to a farm, uh, as well as getting hired, employees, things like that, uh, the protest and disruptions. So having a security policy in place and a crisis plan is really essential. I certainly hope that you never encounter any of the examples I just mentioned, but if you do, you will be very relieved that you thought through the steps to plan for it. So when it comes to farm security, some basic recommendations to make yourself a harder target, things like no trespassing signage, motion sensor lighting, cameras, your own security cameras, ones that are very visible so someone knows they're being watched, gates and locks that you actually take the time to lock. Uh, Sometimes we'll get questions. People will say, well, we know that activists are not honest. What's going to stop them? Uh, And the fact is that uh, you might, again, hopefully people will go somewhere else. And we hope all farms are hard targets, but if yours is, it makes them less likely to try to enter your property. And secondly, if they do, and you can document that there was a no trespassing sign, that there was a locked gate that they came through, that's going to really help you if you try to ensure some consequences later on. Mm -hmm. So taking steps to make yourself a harder target, being cautious in hiring, making sure the people you hire and that whoever you're trusting to care for your animals, which is a really critical responsibility, is who they say they are and is there for the right reasons. And visitors, like I mentioned, have a policy, verify their claims, don't take anything at face value, keep a record of anything suspicious. And then again, crisis planning as well for something like a protest. Ultimately, the name of the game in a lot of these instances is avoiding any type of interactions back and forth. We just talked about engagement. And while that is essential with our consumers and stakeholders, With activist groups, we are not going to change their minds. We're not going to convince them that what we're doing is acceptable. Uh, So we shouldn't get drawn back in these back and forth arguments or debates or answering questions. Leave that to things like law enforcement uh, and just, you know, keep your cool and remember you're representing your industry at all times. Right. Yeah, that's that's really great advice. Good, actionable things, too, that that farmers can do. I like that. Um, So thinking about the last year. Um, What, in your opinion, has been um, the ultimate impact of COVID on the industry? Have you been seeing anything and what do you think and where is it going? It's been really fascinating uh, to follow what's happened in the past year and really the challenges that animal agriculture and the food supply as a whole have faced with changing markets, you know, virtually losing your food service market almost overnight uh, is a really huge thing to have to respond to and adapt to. And I think the silver lining and hopefully what I think is the long term impact of this is we're seeing a lot more curiosity, a lot more desire for information and ultimately a lot more appreciation 
foundation for the food chain than we have seen before. Uh, there was a Gallup poll a few months ago that looked at the most trusted and best viewed professions in the U.S. and farming and agriculture was number one. It was 11 wow. points higher than it was the year before. Really? So that's really reassuring things like that to see that the challenges we face this year, people are seeing that people are appreciating that uh, for people my age, this is the first time we've ever gone to a store and seen all these bare shelves and limitations on products mm -hmm. we can purchase. And I think it's brought a lot of awareness to the efficiencies of our food system and this food security that we're very lucky to experience. Mm -hmm. So I hope that's what stays. I hope that's the long-term impact is that uh, a better understanding, a better appreciation for the innovations that our food system has already experienced. Uh, and there's a lot of negativity. We've touched on activist groups. They've been putting out a lot of negative things tied to the pandemic and calling for a total overhaul to the food system and things like that. Uh, but I hope some of that positivity is what is the long-term impact. Right. Yeah. I know I've often thought about, um, because I my background is in marketing, is that there's a big fail in the middle of the production as well, right? So you have the farm who's selling to the big companies that hire big marketing firms to appeal to the end consumer. And I find that that's a huge problem that just raises my my blood uh, blood level, right? I just just makes me so angry. Um, and so is there, do you know of any ways to be able to combat that middle, right? Is it, is it building a supply chain, you know, our own supply chain, or is it, uh, you know, education of those middle people? I, I'm not sure. What do you think? There's definitely a disconnect in, you know, marketing and labeling and consumer focused efforts. And it's an interesting point that you bring up because we will hear sometimes some frustration uh, from higher up in the food chain about how products end up being marketed, whether it's no antibiotics ever uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, commercials about happy cows or, or, you know, cows with pedometers and outside and those things. Uh, and that might cast some negativity on other parts of the industry. So I think what we need to have is a little bit more alignment of every step of the chain. And that's the goal of the Alliance is to find common ground and find ways that we can all speak with one voice on issues that impact all of us. From our perspective, there are some things that should just be pre-competitive issues, things like food safety, animal welfare, responsible antibiotic use, respecting the environment. Those mm -hmm. are things that should just be a given, you know, when you buy a product at the grocery store. Uh, now, certainly some brands might want to, you know, make one of those areas their focus and try to market on that. And that's all well and good. But our concern becomes when it's about disparaging someone else's product and not promoting the merits of your own. Uh, right. So you can talk about how wonderful your programs are and your product is. But the moment you cross that line to kind of imply that other products are not good for animal welfare or not other brands don't make responsible use of antibiotics, that just erodes trust in the food system as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the dairy example, we try, we're very careful about not putting out negative things about organic or, you know, getting into the comparison game, because ultimately if someone's buying milk, they're buying milk. That's great. We don't really care, uh, you know, what kind of milk it is, as long as it's a dairy product uh, from our perspective. Um, so I think there does need to be a better alignment among companies and a better understanding that, yes, we understand it's a very competitive landscape. You're trying to market to your customers, but when you start putting things on labels that, you know, make different implications, 
medications. It's like no hormones on chicken. Everyone puts a label that says there's no hormones when there aren't any available. It's not a thing. It hasn't been a thing, Uh, but some companies started doing it. And then all the other companies felt like they had to, uh, because then they had consumers asking, well, if this product says no added hormones, yours must have it. Right. So actually the chicken industry uh, has tried to combat that a little bit by coming together and creating these chicken guarantees. So it's a list of, I think, seven things that they're saying, no matter what chicken you buy, where you buy it from, what the brand is, these are seven things you can know are true about U.S. chicken. Again, whether it's the cheapest unbranded package or the most premium, we can assure you that these things were part of the process. And one of those is that hormones are not a thing. So I think we need to see more things like that where industries come together and say, look, these are the baseline expectations. This is what you can be confident about when you support our industry. And then, you know, take it from there if they want to compete on other measures, but make sure we're reassuring consumers that no matter what choice they're making, what matches their budget, their values, they can be confident in the product. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that idea. And do you ever hold any events? I know it would be virtual now, but yeah, tell us about any events. Uh, We have a stakeholder summit each year. It is usually in person. We rotate back and forth between Kansas City and the D.C. area. But this year, like in 2020, we have gone ahead and announced it as a virtual event. It will be held May 5th and 6th, uh, the primary content. And then there'll be a series of pre-conference webinars the week before. It'll be a total of about 13 hours of content. Our theme for this year is obstacles to opportunities. So it really reflects the conversation we're having today about the challenges animal agriculture has faced over the past year and how we can turn those into opportunities. So what are the silver linings? What are the things that have happened that have challenged us that we've had to adapt to and grow from? And how do we take that into the future to have an even better animal agriculture industry and community? Uh, Registration will be opening February 1st uh, for that event and we'll have a tentative agenda posted. Uh, The bright side of it being virtual is that folks from around the world can join us. Our last year's event was the largest ever. We had more than 500 attendees. Uh, So we look forward to hopefully exceeding that this year and welcoming anyone with any kind of a vested interest in the future of animal agriculture to be part of the event. Right. Yeah, that's, that's really great. Um, And uh, where can people find you online? We're at animalagalliance.org. We're also active all across social media. So pretty much any platform, we're either Animal Ag or Animal Ag Alliance. We're most active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, but we have a few other platforms as well. Uh, Again, our website is animalagalliance.org. We have a public newsletter anyone can sign up for via the website, uh, as well as find various information about our initiatives. Great. That's awesome. And then one last question. What is your personal goal for the future? So how do you want to impact agriculture the most? That's a really big question. And it's something Mm -hmm. we actually struggle with a little here at the Alliance, because a lot of the work we do is issues management. It's behind the scenes. So sometimes our goal is that something won't happen or something won't get a lot of attention. So it can be hard to go back and quantify uh, that we had an impact and that we were able to change the direction of something because we never know what would have happened if we never took action. Uh, So, you know, my goal uh, above all is to make sure farmers and ranchers 
teachers feel supported and like they're not alone out there on these issues. Uh, we can hear that a lot. A lot of the things we deal with can be frustrating, uh, can be, you know, really impactful on a farmer and rancher's ability to do business. And it can be isolating to feel like no one is out there having your back and addressing this type of information or misinformation that's out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so ultimately, that's what I want to do and what I want to contribute with my skills and my background uh, is being able to be in this space, to be keeping an eye on these issues so that farmers and ranchers can really focus on what they want to do, which is provide high quality care for their animals, for their land, uh, and ultimately produce products so that our consumers can be happy buying. Right. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Hannah. And uh, thanks to everyone who's watching or listening. If you want more information, we're, we'll post all of the links down below in the show notes. And, uh, and have an awesome day. Thank you so much. The way we conduct business in agriculture has endured a drastic change. Our handshake industry has traditionally been face-to-face, but with the cancellation of in-person events and farm shows, everyone has had to adapt. From farms to manufacturers to service providers, with a dizzying array of marketing and digital business choices, you need to make the right decisions or risk not being seen at all. If you need advice or a customized plan for your business, don't hesitate to reach out to me at chrissywozniak.com or chrissy.info because that's easier to spell, C-H-R-I-S-S-Y dot info. Don't risk not pivoting your business. Find the path that will take you into the digital space and be seen by our industry. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.